Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Wonderful. Well, you know what? I really believe that my God is my healer. Amen? He is my restorer. He is the one that is building my life. And that sounds very personal. Maybe that sounds like that's about me and not about you. But that's a confession which determines the, uh, the basis, the framework for which I live my life. And, and you know, one of the, the strongest things you can do is to confess Christ. Yeah. Amen. And to confess Him. And to confess, it says in, in Romans um, chapter 4, it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, um, and it says this, that... Um, I have made you a father of many nations. This is talking of Abraham. In the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And this is of Abraham uh, talking. This is Abraham believed who, who was 100 years old um, and his wife Sarah who was near about and they were believing to have a child. Trust me, they were dead. (laughs) There was a a lot more deadness in there than there was life. (laughs) But they believed the things which did not exist as though they did. And and it is my confession, I I know that God heals, He restores, He he takes hold of those things which are dead and and He makes them alive. Amen? Uh, I wasn't born with diabetes I have diabetes and I can tell you I won't die with diabetes because I know that my God is my healer and I know that he is the restorer of all things I've seen God do absolute miracles I've seen um, I've prayed for women to conceive who do not have wombs and seen them um, get um, I didn't see them get pregnant that sounds awkward doesn't it Okay, moving on. <laughs> I've prayed with people who have, uh, who have um, deformed spines and seen them completely healed. Uh, just miracles, ears which are deaf, completely opened. I've seen God do the miraculous, in the extraordinary. I've seen God heal the, the, the depressed. Uh, and, and you may consider that we, we often don't name that as a... As, no, I, I want you to know that, that the, the medical profession don't have a lot of opportunity to, to, to deal with people who are depressed because uh, of just the process of today's world. And, and so they have, a, they have a system called drugs. And drugs doesn't help people, it just manages people. And, and I, I want you to understand that um, when it comes to drugs, um, take what you need. <laughs> Hello. If you've got a headache, you take painkillers, don't you? And then you ask Jesus to heal you. 
I had a friend once who gave a testimony. He went, I had a terrible headache. And he'd get up. I took these painkillers and half an hour later, Jesus healed me. (laughs) True. He gave that testimony in front of church. And didn't get the irony of it. They didn't didn't understand while everyone laughed. And uh, so (laughs) I need you to understand that. That medication is important for the physical body, but Jesus Christ comes and he heals the heart, he heals the mind and the physical body. And we've got to understand that God comes, when God comes, he transforms everything. He transforms your whole life, your whole world. And, and tonight, I'm continuing on this message that James started this morning. Um, you are not alone, and you are, this is you are not alone part two. Is that all right? So we've got part one and part two. Um, I, I do have to have a confession. I, I need to, I, sometimes I just kind of feel like I need to have a, a confession time of my sins. And uh, I had a text this afternoon from Pastor Stephen from the Chinese uh, congregation. For those of you who don't know, we have a, a Chinese congregation that meet here uh, in the afternoon. And it was my turn to preach. Um, only I was at home. Home is an hour away. And uh, it was three o'clock, it was a three o'clock service, and he had said, um, are you on your way? It was actually two minutes past three, and I'm looking at it going, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was because, I, and my brain was like, I don't understand, because I was due to preach last week, and in my head I'm thinking, I preached last week, but then my brain is going, but you didn't, did you? <laughs> and then I suddenly remember that I'd gone to Inverness and I'd preached in Inverness last week and I'd swapped with Stephen and I was going to... And yes, it never made it into my calendar, so I phoned up Chaz. I'm Chaz, help me! <laughs> it's great having a son-in-law who lives across the road. <laughs> he saved my skin, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I'm walking up to church this evening as the Chinese are coming out, and they're coming up, and 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 Hal came up to me and he goes, "Ah, oh, Pastor Kevin," he goes, "I thought you were due to preach today," and I go, "No, I swapped with Chaz." So. <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, that's good because he preached a lot better than you do." <laughs> We go, Chaz. You're on every week. (laughs) How many of you? How many of you growing up used to have thoughts of sort of paranoia as children? Right. I think there's a childhood paranoia, uh, and that goes around. I think a lot of people have had these thoughts. I'm saying that because that makes me feel better about myself. But I always remember these sort of these thoughts as a child, and, and one of them was that my parents weren't really my parents. How many of you had that thought? Yeah, there's a few in the place. Yeah, they weren't really. I they're not really my parents. And I used to I used to imagine that every night when we went to bed, they swapped with the next workers who would swap, and they happened to have lots of people that looked like my mum and dad, and they would swap them at night. And the next parents would come in, and they would do the next day. It was their shift. And, and I also used to think that my brothers, because I'm the youngest of six, so, but I used to imagine that the rest of my brothers and sisters weren't really, they were just all part of the ruse. They would, I what I never worked out was why. <laughs> why would you go? It was like the Truman Show, uh, but 30 years before they made the movie. And, and I just had this kind of, and really, 
um, I, I had all sorts of strange sort of thoughts that used to go on as a kid. And really what it was doing was my mind was investigating the, the thought and the process of being alone. Of being isolated, of being rejected. I think rejection is one of the great diseases of humanity. And almost everybody struggles with a feeling of being rejected. And, and almost everyone will tell you in, in any environment, particularly where you're... Ruth, it's for you. And uh, that's a lovely ringtone, by the way. It's Andrew phoning you. Put him on, put him on. Come on, no, go FaceTime. Come on, come on. This is Pastor Andrew from Thursday. Yes, it is. It's it. Well, it's all right. I'll say hello. Andrew! Are you connecting? So it's the Wi-Fi. Oh, that's rubbish. Come on, get it back. So I've got my phone. Phone. Hang on, it's fine, Andrew. Andrew. There we go. Oh, hang on, no. I don't think I should do that. I just know what he's like on the phone. <laughs> Pastors, you can never be sure, can you? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that happens in life is that there's this sense of rejection and this sense of not being part of the crowd, that, that I'm in a group but I don't feel like I'm part of a group. Many, many people in this room know the feeling of being in a group but still feeling like you're on the outside looking in. And I think actually all of us feel like that, looking at all the others, feeling like that they're the included ones and we're not. But almost everyone is going through that same experience. And we go through that experience because human nature, the flesh nature of who we are, is isolated by sin from God. And because of that rejection, there's a sense of disconnection. A sense in which we're kind of desperately trying to find who we are, who, who our identity is, who, what really made us. How do, we, how do we feel like we connect and, and how we relate to that? What then happens is that we, we go through this whole process of a kind of trying to evaluate, is it, is it my fault? Is it their fault? Is it, it must be somebody else's. It can't be me. But the reality is that all of us are struggling with issues of being connected and, and, and knowing our place in a, in a group and, and all of those kind of, all that kind of dy- social dynamic that goes on. It says in Romans chapter 4, sorry, Romans chapter 12 and verse 4, and, and this is the two um, verses that James read this morning. It says, For as we have many members, in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And here we have this this amazing statement which helps the church to understand that we are one body, but members individually. I remember one, one of the other thoughts that I have had as a child was this sudden realization I can still picture the moment I had it. I used to share a bedroom with my two uh, brothers um, and I was on the top bunk. We used to 
rotate who had the top bunk. And uh, it was my season for sleeping on the top bunk. And I remember just lying on the top bunk of, of, our be- of my bed and this sudden realization that my thoughts, the thoughts that I think, the feelings that I have, the things which I think are true are unique to me and no one else. And this sudden kind of, whoa, that means nobody else fully agrees with my perception of life. I don't think I was even 10 at the time. And it was just one of those kind of moments of like deep thought before I went back to what's for breakfast. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just one of those kind of moments. I remember, nobody else is going to think what I think. No one is going to understand what I'm thinking about. And this this sense of isolation. I've had many, many people come to me now, Cheryl and I have had many people come to us as, as pastors and they, they'll sit down and they'll say this, no one understands me. Or they'll say to us, you can't understand me. And what they're really saying is, I'm alone and there's nothing anybody else can do about it. I'm isolated. I, I'm separated. But that simply isn't true. What is true is that while you are an individual and you are unique, you are a unique individual in the place and the position of the whole body of Jesus Christ. And we have to get to grips with what is really going on in our lives because your potential is only empowered by those that God has fitted you in the church with. Your potential... Is only, you can only do what you're called to do when you're working with other people. Yeah. I forgot that I was preaching in the Chinese congregation because I never told anybody else that my diary had changed. Robin works in the office. She's a church administrator. Um, Cheryl and I, she's PA for me and Cheryl. And she, generally, in a church like ours, it's, it's actually everything that needs organizing, really, isn't it? It's a like anything and everything that needs organizing and and so Cheryl but I had changed this and Cheryl will remind me if if I have Cheryl's remember Robin will remind me she has charge of the the calendar that goes on there's a there's sort of a crossover between church calendar and my calendar and and so there's a, but here's the thing right I forgot because I have a list of all sorts of other things that I'm thinking about and I don't do organizational things because why would you do organizational things when you have someone else who can organize <laughs> why organize why get all lists of papers and do all of that sort of stuff when other people are really good at it and they really like it I don't understand them something wrong medication could help I don't know <laughs> but, but what I've discovered is that when the team is together, my potential maximizes. When I am isolated in my thoughts and in my, in, in my practicality, my potential plummets. And here's the thing about your life. You're, you might feel like you're alone. You are not alone. You are a unique individual. You are a unique individual. But your uniqueness is only empowered by those you're sitting next to. In other words, you can't do these things alone. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
And I'm going to read verse 4, verse 12, and verse 27, just because I don't like all the other verses. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Actually, I'm going to read chapter, uh, chapter 12. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. And I'm going to read 4, 5, and 6. And then it says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. One of the problems with humanity is that we are measuring ourselves constantly against what other people are doing. And we look at that and we go... I don't know how to do that. Now, measuring yourself against other people isn't of itself wrong because how else do you learn? You learn to do life by copying your parents, whether you like that or not. One of the things that when I get together with my brothers and sisters, my parents both passed away um, seven years ago, um, nearly eight years ago now. And... In that, it was after they sort of passed away, we become more aware of doing the things that my parents used to do, um, but we never used to do them. And now, as we've gotten older, we find ourselves now doing things that our parents used to do, but they're long since dead. <laughs> they're now pushing up daisies, and we're now carrying on the, the flame. Some people are looking at me like that's a terrible thing to say, but, but they are. It's like... <laughs> They love Jesus, they're in glory. The bodies, I don't know what the bodies are doing, but they're feeding the worms. And uh, it's just the way it goes. I don't know why people get so squirmish. But you see, I find myself doing things. Why? Because my parents raised us and I imitated them, even if I didn't know I was imitating them. Even though they weren't really my parents. And... uh, Because so you learn by imitation. But what happens is that in your imitation, you learn to do something, but eventually what you're learning becomes your, um, opens up your gifts, your talents, the things that you're able to do. And you, many of you saw Joseph on the, on the video there. Joseph is in Inverness. He's a youth pastor up in the Inverness church. And uh, he's a son and as you know Joseph um, is an artist uh, and a photographer and Joe um, I remember Joseph when he was just speaking like he would have been two two and a half I remember as a child he would um, be with uh, my um, sister-in-law and I remember my sister-in-law trying to convince him that red was orange and Joe knew his colors and at, at at two, two and a half, you couldn't. He knew the whole range of colours. And you, it's like he already had the eye for that because that was a gift. And the gift was growing and developing in him. You know, there are gifts and abilities that grow, that make you unique, that make you you. There is a, the individuality that is, that is in there. And while we imitate those around us, every single one of you reveals the nature of God that has been placed upon your heart uniquely. And there is an expression of God that only you, individually, uniquely, will ever reveal. 
And unless you reveal him, you hold back from the house of God, from creation, you hold back that aspect and nature of the love of God because you never revealed it and no one else ever can. Are you with me here? Think of it like this. Paul says the the church is like a body with many members and the many members make up the one body but each member has its own role. Think of it like your hand. Well, if the hand is... Your mouth can do some of the things the hand does. Have you opened a lid with your teeth? It's not as good as... It's a bit rubbish. It's a rubbish hand. Your mouth is a rubbish hand. (laughs) But it can do the job. Boaz... My youngest son, he's somewhere in... Oh, there he is at the back and uh, chewing gum, smoking. And uh, <laughs> so, no, he's not yet. And uh, so, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And uh, <laughs> I can't get, get in trouble at home for that one later. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, it's, it's knowing where the line is drawn and I struggle with that. It's the poor eyesight. And uh, it's after I reached 50 after that. And what happened, one of the things I remember as Boaz as a child doing was when he was very, very small, his gifting was the ability to use his feet like hands. And, And I remember just a really young child and he just, instead of bending over and picking up something on the floor... He just looked at it and just looked quite nonchalant. He just put his foot down, picked it up with his toes, bent it right up to his hand and just carried on with it. I'm I'm like, oh my word, this is not ambidextrous. What what do you call someone who can use their feet like their hands? This is better than ambidextrous. This is extraordinary. And and, and now he folds his socks up with his toes. It's It's quite a talent. I don't know how you employ someone like that, but... The freak show. I know that's what it is, but but it is. It's an amazing, it's amazing talent. But at the end of the day, your feet are still rubbish hands. But but the foot can still do some of the things that hand does if the hand isn't there. If you lose your fingers, they'll sometimes chop some of your toes off and sew them on and and use them. Have you ever seen that? I, I've never, you know. And uh, so. So people, that happens, right, doesn't it? But people, but it, they, you can use your toes as fingers if necessary, but they're still not quite right, are they? Here's the thing. You are unique, individual, created by God to bring a gift into the house that nobody else can bring. And other people can do the job that you're doing that you could have been doing, and they can do it, but they just can't do it as well because they're not you. And so we measure ourselves according to other people, but every person is doing something according to their unique circumstance and situation. You can never measure your personal life against another person because you don't have the same context. And everything in life is measured by context. We can see other people's struggles and sometimes we see people struggling and we go, I don't understand why they're struggling. Well, you don't understand because you don't have their context. We've got to understand that God has called us 
to live a life that reveals the uniqueness of what he has placed over us. It says that we have diverse gifts, different ministries and diverse activities. And that diverse activities literally means diverse energy. And what that means is that even with two people with the same personality, the same likes, the same giftings, the same outlook on life will still reveal the things God has put in their heart uniquely. Because it's a, there are different gifts. There are diverse gifts. In other words, there, there is just a complete range. There are different ministries. So there are specific ministries, different ministries. So there are specific roles that we are called to function in. But there is a diverse function of gifts that operate in those roles. And many people have said to me, as a pastor, the pastor is a... Is a, is a role, alright? But my gifting is exhortation. My gifting is to teach. And so I often teach, but I'm not a teacher, I'm an exhorter. So I use my exhortation to do all of the things of my pastoral ministry. You with me here? Now, most people are not called for pastoral ministry. That's a very small function of the whole life of the church. Most of us are called to serve and to just simply love one another and get involved. You don't even need a title of I'm this or I'm that. What you need is the confidence of knowing your very presence makes a difference in another person's life. You know, um, we've got uh, our house is one of these old granite houses with them. And they've just basically it's lots of stones cemented together. And the walls are like two foot thick and you could, um, when I come into the house, I don't notice the walls. I don't, I don't really think about it. I, I'm aware of the door because I walk through it. But I don't think about the walls. But if there was a hole in them, if there was a hole in the wall, I would suddenly be very aware. But the wall, not the door, the wall is what keeps me safe and warm. The door is a little bit more vulnerable. I use it a lot. It's a little bit more vulnerable. The wall that nobody ever notices keeps me safe and warm. You see, some people, we we live in a world that's so obsessed with being noticed. We would understand that sometimes we've just got to be satisfied with being a wall because being a wall can be unnoticed but that's the person the person who's like that is a pillar which is creating a space and a place of safety that you may never even know who they are just by giving your heart and giving your life to the kingdom of God God has got for you an extraordinary gift In in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 it says for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that body one body being many are one body so also is Christ you know what when um because I used to make furniture I got to collect lots of um lots of bits and pieces I've got it in my workshop I've got lots of screws and lots of fixings and and lots of um just really important things 
that have become separated from their from the packs that they were a part of but they're really important so I put them in jars and I put them on the side and one day I'll find a use for them but here's the thing right they're kind of their washers they're, they're specific sort of brackets and washers and screws and bolts and all the kind of things that you would have for making and fixing and developing furniture but all of those brackets on their own regardless of how brilliantly engineered they are are completely useless unless they are with the accompanying item that they were created to be with. Here's the thing about the accompanying item that they were created to be with. They don't look anything like each other. You get a bolt and a washer. It's nothing, you know, you, you, get, you get brackets and you get screws and brackets and you get all sorts of things that fit together and they don't look anything like each other. But they only work with each other. See, see, God calls us to be in a house and to be a part of a family where your uniqueness is so important. But we've got to learn to be comfortable with people and with surroundings that is entirely different. Because that uniqueness, that, that difference is what gives us the unction and ability to function. You know, I was reading a, um, a book called Slow Horses. It's a classic British spy novel. And it's classic because it tells the story of rubbish Britain. <laughs> you know how American spy stories are so dramatic and, and glamorous and, and the spies can beat up everybody and shoot them dead from a thousand paces. And, and, but the British ones are all a bit kind of like stumble and fall and it's always, it's always just tripping over themselves all the time. That's a classic British. We just like to sort of downplay ourselves a little. And, and this book, Slow Horses, describes the rubbish spies that have failed in, in the spy system. And they've been thrown into this place called Slough House. And Slough is meant to be the most boring town in Britain. And so the town... <laughs> and so the town... So the house... The, the spy um, centre for all the rubbish spies is the name of the... They've named it Slough House because they're just rubbish. And, and they're rubbish spies. And the story goes of all these spies working there and they all hate each other because they're all rubbish. And they, and they come in and they hate being rubbish. And because they hate... Here's the thing about when you feel rubbish, you hate everyone else because it must, there must be some reason why you're rubbish. It must be their fault as well. And so there's, an, there's a sort of a shift of blame. And so you feel like you're rubbish. You're not rubbish at all. You're not just functioning with those who make you extraordinary. But in this book, here we've got these, these spies that have failed in, their, in, 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 in life. And, and so they've been sort of sent to the reject spy centre where they, where they have to do the rubbish jobs, like sifting through people's rubbish and, uh, and all of those kind of things. But as the spy stories go along, an event takes place which um, is looking like it's going to cause the collapse of, the, uh, of MI5 and, and all of these things and... and um, it's left ultimately to the slow horses to come to the rescue. And suddenly these, these characters have 
to realize that instead of hating one another, they've got to lean on each other's gifts and abilities. A bunch of people that have never worked with each other before, suddenly they have to save the day by working together. I just thought it was an extraordinary story of often of how churches, because churches, people don't really, people don't hate each other in church, but, but people don't often know how to function together in life because they bring with them the baggage of their own rejection, their own isolation, their own separation, their own feeling of being different. Your difference is what is going to make the difference to the other people who are in the house because together that God has called us to be a body which changes, which the Bible says, what is it? It is Christ. We are His body. It's an extraordinary thought that we together are the body of Jesus Christ. People say, can Jesus heal? Well, Jesus can heal, but I'm not sure about about you. I don't know whether the church can pray for people to be healed. Well, I am the body of Christ, and, and so are you, and Jesus heals. Well, I am the body of Jesus Christ, and I'm pretty sure when Jesus healed people, he used his body to do it. He stretched out his hands and he, he laid his hands on them. Well, we are the hands of Jesus Christ. We are the mouthpiece of Jesus Christ. We are, we are the love and the grace that pours out from him. Well, that's what we're here to bring forth. We are the body of Jesus Christ. You are unique. You're extraordinary. You're an incredible creation that has not been created before and will never be created again. And in that creation is a gift which brings forth the very purpose of God. And your responsibility is to make sure the gift on your life works with all the gifts that are in the house. That there is an incredible force that changes the world. What happens is that I think it was James was talking, was it this evening or this morning, talking about um, on when you just get isolated and uh, just your ability to... Um, oh, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> I forget the story he was telling anyway. But it's that, it's that synchronization, it's, it's that, that working together. That as you work together, what happens is that there is a there is a, one can put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand, and it's the ten thousand that the house of God is going for. We've sent the odd thousand to flight from time to time, time to take the ten thousand, time to multiply our abilities. I know God is touching and changing people's lives in this in this place tonight. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.